0: Welcome to season three of the Good Life Review podcast. I'm your host, Trelena Daniel. The Good Life Review is a literary magazine you can find at thegoodlifereview.com. And this podcast highlights the up and coming writers with incredible talent and expertise. They share their worldly insights, have brilliant writing recommendations, and are incredibly insightful to learn from. This season, I'm working with a team of editors to do various podcast episodes with different interviewers. We hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to reach out if you want to learn more about our lit magazine or want to learn more about our highlighted authors.
1: Okay, uh, my name is David Hogan, and I'm the author of four in this issue of the Good Life Review.
0: Great. Uh, So, what inspired this piece? Uh...
1: The inspiration for this piece, well, uh as a playwright I'm always looking for different ways to set my pieces in some interesting or arresting way, something that grabs the audience's attention. And uh when I was in college I went parachuting with a bunch of friends. And uh in those uh, today you do like a tandem jump you jump with an instructor, but the way we did it is that we had a line attached to the the plane. And as you jumped out of the plane, much what you see in like army movies, you jump out of the plane it pulls the shoot out and you go, and there was a giant arrow on the ground and they would point at the aerial in the direction they wanted you to point your parachute. And this way you would be sure to land on the open field. And I was in the second group uh, that went. Uh, the first group of three went and only two came back. So <laughs> as you might imagine, we were quite hesitant the, the next three to get in the plane, but we were sure. no, no, it's okay. It's okay. And we got in the plane and we took off and we were getting ready to jump. And then somebody like nudged me and said, Hey, there's John. And that was the person that, that didn't come back. And we saw his parachute in a tree and, uh, I remember thinking, uh, "Wow, that's very interesting." Uh, by the way, John has gone on to live a uh, you know fulfilling and prosperous life. Uh, but as I was thinking how to set up play, I remembered John hanging from that tree. I, I don't really know how he was hanging or how he was situated, but it struck me that yeah, we we could we could have a play that uh, starts with someone hanging you know hanging above the stage in, in parachute harnesses and, and uh, sort of go from there. So that was the, the fact that John for some reason didn't follow the arrow and ended up in the trees and not on the open field. That is the inspiration for the play. I've never, I haven't told him that.
0: Well, if he ends up listening, he's gonna know. So John, John was the inspiration for Jones. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true, yes.
0: <laughs> Great, uh, when did you start uh, doing the screenwriting thing?
1: I lived in Greece for a while, and I wrote a first novel that took place in Greece, um, which is my first novel, uh, The Last Island. And I tried to get that published when I came back from Greece. And I got an agent, and it just didn't work out. Um, So I got a little um, frustrated, a little upset with the whole process. And I turned to um, writing screenplays and stage plays. Um, which I really enjoyed. I took some courses um, in New York and Boston, and um, you know, had a degree of success, um, which was really fun. You know, um, the main difference between screenplays and stage plays, at least for me, is uh, I get to see stage plays. Um, I've had a screenplay. I write with them with a partner. Uh, we sold one, had one option, but nothing ever happened. Uh, so it's really fun when you see. You know, you write something. Like a, a, a stage play, and you get a chance to see it, which isn't always the case as well. Um, and I, and I really enjoyed sitting in a, uh, you know, the excitement of actors, uh, a live performance, a live audience like that. That not knowing what's going to happen. Um, I I met one play I wrote, Capital, that the play started, and for some reason, one of the actors. Got towards the very end, like it, it was it was one of the final lines. He was like summing up, sort of at the end, and then the first. And I, I remember sitting there thinking, "Oh no, <laughs> it's going to end a minute after it starts." And the other actor brilliantly saved it, and and you know stuff like that makes it very exciting. Plus plus a live audience.
0: Yeah, I can imagine putting a lot of time and effort into a screenplay and then never actually seeing it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So doing stage sounds kind of fun. Right. How long have you been doing this?
1: Um, oof. I guess I would say about twenty years. Yeah, um, I've been doing it for twenty years now. Um, of course, I've been writing, you know, longer than that. But um, yeah, when I first started getting going, you know, like getting a play produced, um, writing something that like that first novel that I thought was worthy of, you know, actually sending out and, and, uh, had a chance to get, you know, to actually maybe make something come of it. So yeah, maybe 20 years of real serious, um, and taking it seriously myself, as opposed to just, you know, a more of a, a this is something I really want to do. And I really going to focus on, as opposed to just an avocation um, that I do you know, on the side.
0: Yeah. Um, so, what kind of things do you do to ins- get the inspiration you need to do screenplays? Do you are you an avid reader? Are there uh, particular people that you like to follow?
1: Oh, um, I find uh, ideas are out there. Um, I, I don't. I don't seem to have a problem coming up with ideas. It's narrowing them down or pulling them off. In a in a satisfactory way. Um, I think like most writers, I have just a ton of false starts. Um, you know, writing plays and books and short stories. And it just for whatever reason, you know, it doesn't take after 10 or 30 pages or uh whatever. Um so yeah, uh I just try to find something that gravitates me then that I think will come together and prove. Um, worth the effort that it takes you, you know, the, the immense amount of effort that it takes to, to really do something that, that I, that I feel is worth worthwhile. And, and that hopefully will come together because I'm never quite sure, um, boy, is this going to work or not? And, and with a stage, like with a play, you actually never really know until it, it's up on its feet. Even at that point, you can be pretty sure. And um, it doesn't seem to work the way you thought, or it works in a different way and it requires some tweaking, that's always very interesting.
0: Yeah, so in the um, fiction world where I live, there's a lot of people who read specific like, literary authors or thing, people that they're like, this is a writer that I like to emulate. Do you, Is there a a stage writer that you like to to read their material to kind of see how? how uh...
1: Yeah, uh, actually, in regards to that, I love Tom Stoppard. I love the the uh, the thought, the wit, the sort of intellectual energy that you see that just flies off the page. And I think that, um, like Rosenkrantz and Guildenstern are Dead, um, is a great play. And one of the, you know, I read that and thought, wow, I, I would I would love to be a, a a playwright. I would love to do something along that lines. I n- I never have, but I, I just thought the you know the characterization the plot the wit um the pacing the ideas behind it the whole thing was was uh really really astounding and inspiring and then there's the usual suspects you know Beckett which i think every playwright tries to write like but never does um Ionesco Chekhov that that sort of thing and and John Singh actually um like the Druid Theater in in Galway, Ireland, which is a wonderful theater, great theater, put all of their John Singh plays online for free, which was, was was uh, you know, for all the loss that the pandemic had, here was this great gift, especially for someone like me um, who gets to just watch all his plays in, a, in an outstanding production. Uh, in my home, I was just just amazing. I mean, we lose the theater, right? The dynamic of a live audience, but I, I do get to see these great, anybody could go and see these great productions. So,
0: uh, do you have anything we could be looking forward to in 2021, any projects or plays coming out? Uh,
1: I do, absolutely. Uh, I have a, my second novel is coming out next month, um, the end of May, 2021. It's coming out from B Times Books. Um, B Times is a independent, uh, not-for-profit publisher in Dublin, Ireland. Um, They do, I don't know how many of their books they are doing, 10 books a year maybe, maybe less now. Um, And and they they do a great job. They did my first novel as well, um, called The Last Island, uh, which is about an island in Greece. So yeah, um, this book's coming out uh, next month. It's a dark comedy.
0: We'll get to hear David read an excerpt of his book here in just a few minutes. But before we do that, of course, we have to ask the most important question. The quintessential question we ask everyone is, what does the good life mean to you? Obviously, the name of our lit mag is The Good Life Review. So uh, we always like to ask, what's the good life mean to you?
1: Right. Uh, I've, I've been thinking about this. And uh, that's a great question. Maybe the question. Um, and I think the good life is very simple. And it comes down to stripping away the non-essentials. Um, it, 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 for me, it doesn't require very much at all. Uh, people I care about, um, something productive to do, maybe some good books, a place to swim or take a walk. And uh, that's enough. I think that that's, that's a good fulfilling life. So in some ways to me, it's about stripping away the non-essential things uh, to getting down to what matters and sticking with those. Um, I'm, I'm constantly amazed at the rush of all of us for the new things, the seizing of technology, the, the movement forward, when I think the things we're looking for are uh, much more simpler, much more basic, much more, you know, something to do, someone to love, uh, you know, somewhere to have fun. Uh, that's it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't require much, and that's a good life.
0: David is going to read us a bit um, from his Hear Us Fade upcoming novel, Um, but before he does that, I wanted to read a bit of his bio. Um, We decided it was a bit difficult to actually do his stage and screenplay um, without actors, so that is why he's going to actually read some of his book to us. David Hogan is the author of two novels, a number of short stories, and several plays. His debut novel, The Last Island, was published by Be Time Books in Dublin, Ireland. His latest novel, Hear Us Fade, will be published by B-Time Books in May of 2021. His stage plays include the GTC National New Play Initiative award-winning Capital and No Sit, No Stand, No Lie, which opened the resilience of the Spirit Human Rights Festival in San Diego. He has contributed to writing uh, via the Irish Central and Points in Case and is a dual citizen of the United States and Ireland.
2: Hear Us Fade by David Hogan. Chapter 1 Rex Knightley never considered how painful it is to torture a man. His thighs burn, his arms ache, his temples throb, his gums are numb and his heart is palpitating. He has peculiar cherry-sized bumps on his forearms. Maybe it's just a reaction to the celebritate he took an hour earlier to relieve the spasms in his lower back. Or not. Either way, he's finding precious little to celebritate at the moment. The honorable and obese Abbott Swenson, governor of the state of California, and the man that Rex and his friend Urban McChen are currently torturing, doesn't appear too worse off for the experience. Lying semi-conscious in the clawfoot bathtub, the blindfolded governor has small lagoons of sweat under his arms, and his forehead is as furrowed as thick corduroy, but that seems to be the extent of it. For all of Rex's and Urban's wearying labors of abducting, tying up, gagging, prodding, and zapping, they don't seem to be getting anywhere. Rex's lower back is starting to feel better, true, but that's a small consolation. Urban hands the taser to Rex and then raises his hands, palms out, in a gesture of surrender, as if he doesn't know how to proceed, as if the whole thing hadn't been his idea to begin with. Rex glares at Urban, but isn't sure that his expression can be seen through the half-leg of pantyhose that covers his face. He glances at the mirror above the medicine cabinet and can't tell if it's fogged up from their exertions or it's the peanut-colored stocking filtering his vision. It's too much, he says. The governor hasn't moved for the last few minutes, and Rex is having difficulty sucking air through his nylon-compressed nose. Just a little more, Urban replies, raising the ski mask from his mouth without disturbing the heavy ponytail hanging from the back of it until he gives us what we want. Rex sighs. The governor is becoming less and less responsive, but this only makes Urban more determined. This can't end well. Not that it started well. There are a number of reasons why Rex didn't want to be involved in the first place, beginning with the idea itself. Kidnap the governor? Deposit him in Rex's bathtub? gently torture him? Even if it's for a good cause, the purported greater good, these are extreme measures. As if Rex would have any idea about torturing someone. Rex, who's never started a fight in his life, who recycles more than 97% of what he consumes, who overtips bad waiters out of pity, who writes epic poetry, teaches high school English, is well-liked in a majority of student surveys, and serves soup to the homeless on Tuesday nights. He still isn't sure how urban convinced him to bring the governor to his own penthouse true the governor was going to be in san francisco at a meeting across the street which made the intercept easy and true they couldn't be seen leading a tied up and blindfolded man through the streets of the city so proximity to an available bathroom or similar hidden chamber was paramount and yes rex has a key to the seldom used service elevator in his building but still the governor's head bobs twice He moans and then either smiles or swallows or grimaces. Rex isn't sure. Urban puts the governor's e-cat to the man's mouth. You can make it stop any time, Governor, Urban says, by stopping the execution, easiest thing in the world. All you have to do is say, stay, like talking to your dog. The governor doesn't respond, not verbally, anyway. His left arm rises and falls and his middle finger twitches, but that's all. He's either stubborn or incapacitated and he'll have to buy a new suit after this incident is over, though the red power tie that's draped over his right shoulder might be salvageable. Rex looks out the open bathroom door and through the penthouse to the terrace, 23 floors high in a San Francisco sky that's murky with smoke. The forest fires that have been uncontained for more than three months are approaching the coast. He briefly questions why every Californian isn't pitching in with a bucket, hose, or shovel to save what's left of their state. Why isn't every personal drone dumping water or fire retardant on at-risk homes? Do they think the fires will eventually counteract the coastal flooding or vice versa? Are they savoring the lethal irony? Though what his fellow Californians, their drones, and their ironic sensibilities are doing is concerned for another time. Right now, his priority is the kidnapped governor, undependably positioned and possibly unconscious in his bathtub.
0: If you want to read more, you can head to thegoodlifereview.com. Thanks for listening to the Good Life Review podcast. We are very excited to keep producing these podcasts and bringing you great stories from our current writers. A huge thank you to our editorial team that is mostly based out of Nebraska and almost entirely made up of writers from the flyover states, which is why we don't want your work to be overlooked. If you have a piece you'd like to submit, head on over to our submittable page, thegoodlifereview.submittable.com. Don't forget to like us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The Good Life Review and on Twitter at The Good Life Lit Mag. Thank you for listening.